slash and cast. Fiends to Handle, a whisk air presented by the Slash Incast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. And uh, I'm your host, Emily Drunk. And tonight, uh, we're taking a little reprieve from the phobia deep dives. And we're enjoying the summer fun as we celebrate Shark Week all month long throughout July uh, here on the podcast, as well as Twisted Tuesday. So before we get underway, just a few general reminders. Uh, you can get all the updates on our social media over on Twitter at Hando with Scare Pod. And don't forget to join us for our movie watch parties over at kick.com slash drunk, where uh, we have two nights of watch parties this month because we have Christmas in July, which is every Monday at uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. And then we have our regular night, our Twisted Tuesday nights, uh, every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. So we hope to see you guys there on that. And if you can't make either of those, you can always join our live recordings of the podcast every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Now, that being said, joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie. And Zombie, uh, you know, it's really hard to fathom that here on Handle with Scare, we have yet to even review a shark movie, but all that is about to change tonight uh, with your first pick of the month. And I have to say, like, we we were, like, kind of, like, throwing some ideas back and forth. I'm like, man, I, I really don't know if I want to go, like, really cheesy, uh, really good, or somewhere in the middle, because, like, when it comes to shark movies, they are all over the place. But by God, like, I will always be entertained to varying degrees, but there are definitely some that are absolute duds, some that are absolute gems, and, uh, you know, all in all, there's always something to enjoy when it comes to that sort of uh, shark mayhem that ensues. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about dark movies in general, just you say the word shark, I think I know what everybody thinks of, right? Everyone thinks of Jaws. So I think Jaws is kind of that upper echelon, that upper crust of shark movies. And then I've often thought that there was really not a lot of middle ground. There was like mostly everything else that was on the lower end of things. But then I discovered the Sharknado series and I figured out that there actually is a middle ground and that's every Sharknado movie ever made. And it's that combination of not a great movie, but super entertaining. So who gives a shit? Mm. Um, so the movie for tonight, Jaws 3. Um, yeah, I know that. I know that it's definitely not the most revered of the series, obviously, um, and it was oddly enough in third place for you know money making and everything. Um, that the movies actually followed suit one, two, three, four, where they slowly declined in revenue, which is I think why we didn't get a you know Jaws five, Jaws in space for whatever. Um, but I honestly think there are some things to this movie having watched it again and like refreshed myself and I watched it again tonight because I sort of passed out last night trying to watch it on Twisted Tuesday. 
but it's got some differences from the first two movies that I think make it really interesting. Um, but the one thing that it is that I think the first two movies are not is really fun. It's really fun. The first two movies did not emphasize fun at all. And this third movie, fun all the way. I mean, it's a fucking sea world for Christ's sakes. How can you go there and not have fun? Well, uh, I guess it depends on whether or not you are in the fun and informative area of the park, uh, which should never be combined in the same sentence because that just doesn't ring true uh, <laughs> with any sense of the way. Uh, but anyway, so, of course, you know, after the success of Jaws which came out in 1978, Universal was uh, convinced to produce another installment for this franchise. Uh, but, you know, the original concept for Jaws 3 was very different from what we ended up getting in the long run. Uh, so oh, yes. Jaws 3 oh, was initially meant to be a parody of the series. Uh, <laughs> and the, the basic concept was, you know, the idea was it was going to be like a National Lampoon's styled comedy romp, uh, which was set to be directed by Joe Dante. Uh, but that concept was scrapped in favor of a more... Uh, straight, you know, horror movie. Uh, not granted, uh, you know, it's not quite to the horror aspects as, like, the first two entries of the franchise. Uh, but, you know, they're going in this direction. And, you know, initially, like, Jaws 3 was going to have, like, nothing to do with the previous installments. Uh, you had Richard Madison, who had wrote the original script before uh, the script doctors basically got to it and changed it up. Uh, and initially, the idea, uh, you know, after the, the comedy aspect was shot down, was you were going to have a shark basically go in, uh, swim upstream, and get stuck in a lake. And it was meant to be more of a standalone film uh, with new characters, but Universal wanted it to have a form of connection with the franchise. And then here we are. Uh, so we have uh, Joe Elvis, who has his directorial debut. Uh, this is actually the only movie that he has directed. Uh, he did work on both Jaws and Jaws 2 prior, uh, both as a production designer as well as a second unit director. And, uh, you know, you were mentioning a little bit about the box office. Jaws 3D ended up uh, earning $13.4 in the box office during its opening week, uh, which... You know, it was a record for 3D movies, which held up for about 20 years until Spy Kids came out. And we didn't see another 3D shark movie uh, for quite some time. The last one that came out was uh, Shark Night 3D, which came out in 2011. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. So going back to the parody aspect of things, um, one of the things I thought was interesting doing my research for this whole thing is, uh, again, in the National Lampoon's vein of things, the... The movie was originally titled Jaws 3, People Zero. And, I, and honestly, that's just, I mean, if you think about it, it was almost the first Sharknado movie. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that makes it kind of awesome just in and of itself. The, the thought of um, the original script when they were talking about a shark swimming up a, up a river and getting stuck in a lake. I mean, ultimately, they kind of did that here. It just was a much shorter river and a much smaller lake. Um, which for me, honestly, kind of makes it fun, you know, box office wise. Yeah. I mean, when this thing was done, it made close to $90 million. Um, but that was a pretty steep departure from Jaws 2 and certainly from the very first Jaws. And, and I think it was from the first Jaws, it was like a $300 million departure. So, I mean, it, it, it's not super shocking that 
it took a while to get Jaws 4 made, and then when Jaws 4 was made, it basically completely ignored Jaws 3. Like, it never happened. Um, so, that kind of tells you something about Jaws 3. But still, I'm going to maintain that this is a super fun watch. Um, Dennis Quaid as basically a passive onlooker. Um, Louis Gossett Jr., who's always awesome, and if you've never seen an Iron Eagle movie, go watch those. And a very young, very supple Leah Thompson. I mean, come on. Let's go. So, nothing here for me to argue. It's got sharks, it's got water, it's got water skiers, it's got awkward country dancing on a dock overlooking a dolphin tank. I, like, I mean, there's just so many things here that are so fun to watch and so fun to be a part of. Um, I still say it, and I said this when I suggested it, it's a fun watch, and it stills a fun watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was actually my first time actually watching Jaws 3D last night. <laughs> and, you know, part of that was because, you know, for, for so many years, I had always heard from people, like, the franchise just stops after two. Like, there's no no reason to check out anything beyond that point. And, uh, I, you know, after watching it, I still had a lot of fun with this movie. Are the effects great? Absolutely fucking not. The, the yep. effects are god-awful. But it also adds to the charm of the movie. <laughs> so the, it's got that going for it. But yeah, you mentioned uh, Leigh Thompson. And, uh, you know, this was her first movie role. She'd later go on to, you know, really make it big a couple of years later when she starred as Lorraine McFly in Back to the Future, mm -hmm. uh, which was great. Uh, it also got a run of trading cards when the movie came out, which was done by Topps. Uh, and Topps did a lot of, like, different, like, movie uh, trading cards as well. I know, like, Batman had some. Uh, I'm trying to think. Indiana Jones definitely had some. There were a couple other ones, yep. too, that were sprinkled in there. Uh, but what was cool about uh, the Jaws 3D ones in particular was all of the cards that came out uh, for it were actually printed in 3D. The holographic things. Which yep. was uh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically what we have here for Jaws 3, uh, just to like give a basic premise, uh, we basically take place at an aquatic park, or in this case, we are at SeaWorld over in Orlando, uh, where a 35-foot shark uh, basically terrorizes the employees as well as the park guests. Uh, so, you know, this was uh, one of several movie sequels of its time that used 3D as a gimmick. Uh, of course, we also saw it with Friday the 13th Part 3, uh, and, you know, maybe uh, financial success, but uh, critically panned uh, for uh, up until this day, especially for the effects. But uh, yeah, like general consensus is everyone has always like not really had too many fond memories of this particular movie. And, you know, I I. I understand because it feels like such like a distant like step from like the first two movies. But you you always have to talk about these franchises and the the potential of fatigue or just wanting to do something different. And if you're looking at Jaws 3D in in like in that like scope, Jaws 3 does something completely different for the franchise and that does help make it stand out more uh because of it. So it does feel more original. It's not just, you know, a straight slasher, almost like what we got with Jaws 2 in this case. Uh, but yeah, it, th there are definitely times in the movie, though, when, when you know, we were watching it on Twisted 2. So I'm like, man, this just feels like a really long SeaWorld commercial <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> you're just in the park like the entire time. Well, no, I think you're right. Um, 
I think what this movie is missing and what the first two had is they had a, both those movies had a, a fairly extended hunt, right? Um, and this movie doesn't have a hunt. It's when, when the, the characters bring to the park manager, hey, we think there's a bigger shark and it's going to be a problem. And he's like, I don't know. And then everyone goes, oh, and points out the window because it's coming up on them, you know, like outside the tube there. I mean, so the hunt lasted about seven seconds, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that it did, too, is as much as we had beaches be very prominent in Jaws 1 and Jaws 2, you never had a moment where you had a bunch of people trapped. And, and this movie does that with the, with the underwater tube thing where they have a bunch of people trapped and there's a bunch of people in peril and there's like an actual problem to solve. The first two Jaws movies didn't do that. It was the hunt and kill the shark. So I honestly think story-wise and a little bit depth-wise, this was a, this was a little more a little more scripted and a little more thought out in terms of giving our character something to do. Now, I mean, Dennis Quaid, like I said, being, he was nothing short of for most of the film being a passive onlooker, just going, "Uh uh-huh. But then if you read what Dennis Quaid says about this movie, this was, it was the early eighties. So shocker, shocker, Dennis Quaid claims that he was pretty much high on Coke for every scene of the movie. (laughs) I mean, so yay 80s. I mean, that's why that's why movies of the 80s were so great, because every actor was just ripped out of their mind on coke. I mean, so I mean, it's for me, it just honestly makes it a little bit more fun. But I also think this movie with the SeaWorld connection. I think it actually makes it more approachable and more like I could have been there because everyone's been to a SeaWorld or Six Flags or a water park or whatever it is. And a lot of what happens in these movies, knowing what I know about the world today as an adult, makes a lot of sense. Like, hey, we captured a great white shark. Let's put it on display right away. And then it goes fucking belly up and dies in front of the crowd. It's like, oh, my God. But that's what some fucking manager somewhere would decide to do. This the worst possible fucking decision. And it goes wrong. But it's like, hey, I was trying to squeeze a couple of greenbacks out of this situation. So it kind of all makes sense. And that's, I think for me, you know, being the age I am now versus like when I first saw this, I saw this at the drive-in as a kid in all of its cardboard, red and blue lens, 3d glory. Um, and I remember being a kid, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Um, everything from the credits going into your face, you know, um, now, you know, now that I'm an adult, I, I realize that it maybe is not quite the quality movie that I thought it was when I was nine. Um, but at the same time, and I'm going to I will argue this and I will fight anyone to the death. This movie is really fun to watch. It's really fun. Yeah. So if you were looking for uh, other horror movies to uh, add to a potential like park based setting, uh to throw in there uh, that are also aquatic based. Uh, you guys can also check out Aqua Slash, which is one of the po- uh, one of the movies we actually oh. reviewed on the podcast. Yep. Uh, which uh, 
I wouldn't say is the best movie, but it's it, it, the entire movie is set up for one specific gore gag, and that gore gag is absolutely fantastic. It's fantastic. I'm checking out alone. <laughs> um, I know exactly the gag you mean, and yes, it is. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the other one that definitely comes to mind is Piranha Three Double D, which was a sequel to uh, Piranha Three oh, D, yes. which was also a lot of fun, also a lot of mm-hmm. gratuity. Uh, you got David Hasselhoff in there. Uh, it's basically like an adult, uh, you know, water park. And you know they uh, they got you know specific cameras set up to you know get all the good shots. It's a great time and uh, very raunchy in its own right. So definitely go check those out and pair it with Jaws 3D. Uh, and honestly, I think those two are probably better movies than Jaws 3D, but still a lot of fun nonetheless. <laughs> uh, so so getting back here, uh, a lot of. A lot of the early points in the movie are uh, basically set in the stage for the opening for SeaWorld. Uh, so we spend a lot of time with the uh, water skiers who are practicing the routine. And of course, you know, like the entire time you're just thinking, OK, like at some point, surely uh, they're going to get eaten. Or like the pyramid's going to fall down and whoever's on the top is going to be the first one to go. Uh, but, you know, we do see the great white shark starting to follow Uh, the team of water skiers. Uh, And, you know, we kind of like have like this stall out moments with the ski boats, uh, but they do manage to restart it before the shark is able to attack. So, you know, really early on, we get that initial tease of the shark in the water. Uh, But, you know, I I would say like overall kill count for this movie, not the highest. I think there's like only five kills from what what we see in the movie, but they're they're much later in the movie uh, by comparison. Well, I think they one of the things I think this movie does, and and for me, it actually works that they don't give you. I mean, and you have Overman, the guy that's trying to fix the gate early in the movie. um, And you see him, you see him get moshed and that's fine. But they don't give you his body reveal until way later in the movie. Um, And they talk about it a lot. They talk about how, oh, there's this and Dennis Quaid. He says this, I think, three different times where he talks about there's a million gallons of seawater coming out of there and his body would have ended up over here or over here or over here. And it's like they do show you going to that point and that point and that point. And and they never see it, but it magically floats up for all the people that are in the underwater tube. I mean, and again, I don't it's another one of those movies that takes every shred of reality and just goes, nope, we're just going to do this instead. But I think for a lot of horror movies and. Now imagine for 1983, this was a PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. There was some, for me, there was some pretty damn good. I think very real life biological gore in this, especially when they found Overman's body, and they had they had a scene there where you could see the end of his arm bone sticking out, and it was it was pretty much polished, but it had a couple of gouges in it from shark teeth, and it was like, I mean. That's pretty real world. I mean, that's like going into the autopsy room versus a lot of the horror and the the effects that we get now. So, but to imagine that this movie was, you know, PG third or PG, and really the only thing that it didn't have that I think the original had is um, there wasn't a single pair of boobs in this movie. You know, so I think that's as times were changing into the eighties. I think that's how they got away with it is it wasn't a single pair of boobs. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we spent the entire time trying to free Willy in this case uh, over in SeaWorld because there were a ton of dolphins. 
uh, in, in, in this shrouded. Uh, well, but, that's, but that's part of the fun, though, yeah. man. That's part of the, the dolphins are part of the fun. If you don't see the dolphins as being part of the fun, I mean, you know, with, with Sally and Cindy, the dolphin or Sandy and Cindy, the dolphins. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get it. It's very it's very childlike. It's very simplistic. I get all that. I can also say that three or four years ago, my wife and I went on a trip to Bermuda and we got to swim with dolphins. And let me tell you, it turned both my wife and I into giggling little children. Okay. (laughs) So like, I totally get it. I totally get it. It it was not something that I ever wanted to do. Not something I ever thought I would do. And once I did it, I was just like, (laughs) dolphins. I mean, so, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. Um, but I think that's part of this uh, part of the theme of this movie, though, is it makes uh, setting aside the beaches of Amity, right? Um, the a beach is a beach, right? I don't think a beach is particularly jovial or particularly fun. It's a beach, right? Water, whatever else. But this movie goes out of its way to make your background and your your world very, very fun. And you set up yourself with the water skiers, with the people that are dancing on the docks, they're feeding dolphins, they're doing all these things. The whole point is fun. And then when this movie, when the fun ends, it's very discombobulating when the fun ends. And everyone just sort of panics. But at the same time, there's not... As much as we have that underwater tube thing where people get sort of panicked... The biggest panic, the biggest panic in the whole movie is is a coke field Dennis Quaid running through the park, taking what seems to be the least optimum route to go places. <laughs> like he's running through a dance floor. It looks seems like he ran through like a tiki torch thing. It, and he's just trying to get to all these places to warn people. But that's like he's like the most panic character like ever <laughs> in the movie. Everyone else is like, OK, this is bad, but we'll hang on. Like even the, the tour guides on the things. The, the one lady, when she's up to her boobs and water, and she's like, everybody stay calm. And everyone's like, okay, we'll stay calm. You know, I mean, so it, it's it's so odd, but I think it's also a very real world. So when you go from the fun to the panic, it, it feels very natural. And it's also important to note the dolphins do uh, lend a helping hand in fighting the shark, which is also uh, an interesting take on it. I don't know if that would actually play out that way, but, you know, just the fact that they were there and they played their role in it made it all that much better. Uh, So, you know, going back to the water skiers, of course, uh, we have the shark who follows them into the SeaWorld Park. Uh, and that throws the gate off of its rails really early on uh, while it is in the middle of closing. Uh, and then, you know, this is when essentially we have uh, Florida announcing like, hey, you know, we are opening this new uh, glass covered underwater tunnel uh, that will allow close up view of all of the you know, sea life that we have here at the park. So it's it's interesting because what we essentially have here is a uh an underwater Jurassic Park. <laughs> Except there is no Megalodon or anything like that. Uh, we have a shark. A, well, we have a baby shark. And then we mm-hmm. have the mama shark, <laughs> which is another one of those tropes that does kind of carry over into, uh, well, Piranha, definitely, for, for 3D, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so we, we don't really have Bruce. We more have, like, Brucette in this case. Uh, for for this movie, and you know, like I, I didn't really do too much digging in regards to like the uh, the rigging of the shark, 
So I don't know if there were as many headaches with this particular shark over, you know, what we got with the original Jaws, uh, because them wanting to fill everything in open water definitely led to a lot of issues during the filming process of it. So I want, I'm curious to know if, like, there were any similar situations in this case. Well, it, there wasn't anything specifically that I heard of, but like at the same time, there were so many scenes in this thing because they were using the 3D and that double or triple lens that they used, depending on what shot they were doing. I, I mean, let's be honest here. So many scenes of this shark, you could see the black outline around it. And it was like, OK, that was not in the original shot. And why they couldn't make that black line a little less subtle, I don't know. Um, at the same time, though, uh, going through the movie and... I find myself laughing at this a little bit, but they go back and forth between calling the shark him. Mm -hmm. um, the the one guy, what the fuck was he? I got to find his name now because he was such a douchebag. Oh, Philip Fitzroy. So he was like the hunter guy, right? Um, but he keeps referring to the shark as him. He's like, we'll go, we'll get him. We'll bag him. We'll do whatever else. But then you have our sort of our lead scientist, Catherine, who keeps talking about it's a mother and her baby, you know? So, I mean, in this day and age to misgender something, even a shark has got to be a bad thing. Right. I mean, um, it, it, you go, you go certain places, it's against the law. You can do five years in the can for it. Um, the weird thing is that with the, with the small baby shark and they, they're in there. I mean, like, I would think that a 10 foot great white is probably nothing to fuck with. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing, you know, but the interesting part of this movie is that when you have subsequent sequels of a movie, they tend to sort of up the ante every time. And going from Jaws 1 to Jaws 2, it was a 20 to 25-foot shark. It was big. It was scary, whatever else. And this one, it's a 35-foot shark. I mean, and it, you think about 35 feet, that's a lot of fucking shark, you know? So, like, so... I mean, I suppose if they're going into 3D and whatever else, we might as well just amp up, amp it up and just roll the dice and see what happens. But I mean, the hard part then is that on screen, that 35 foot size for most of the scenes doesn't really come through. Mm -hmm. Like you don't look at it. There's not a lot of things to give it scale. Um, and the things that give it scale are so badly shot <laughs> that it doesn't really... Like you can kind of see it, but you're also going, oh my god! Like I could have done, I could have done better than this with like, you know, Microsoft Paint, you know. So it's, a, but at the same time, it's the dynamic is sort of fun, um, and they do give you. I mean, you sort of you talk about free willy, and I I know where you're going there, and I have I have a comment about chainmail later that you're gonna like, <laughs> um, but it they don't do. They don't do the greatest job of, I don't know, even like conveying the relationship between the mom shark and the baby shark. Um, and then I think getting into the 80s and 90s where we had all of our real shark research and everything going on and people finally come to understand that, oh yeah, great whites don't actually parent their kids. As soon as they give birth, they're like, I'm out of here. So it, there would not be a relationship anyway, but they sort of play on that. Like, oh, it's the mom protecting the baby. And then it's like, that's not actually a thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that, you know, when uh, the baby shark is within the waters of SeaWorld, that we, we do see the effect that it has on the dolphins. Uh, because hmm. we, we do see that, uh, you know, they're a little afraid about leaving their 
uh, their pen that, you know, th they're in. Um, so, you know, like really early on, you know, even like the the other creatures can like sense that something is wrong and not like the way that it needs to be. Uh, outside of that, you know, we, we see uh, the workers trying to repair and secure the gate uh, since, you know, there were some issues there because of, you know, the shark getting through in this case. Uh, and that is when we get our first skill, which was uh, Shelby Overman in this case. And, uh, you know, outside of that, we also have like these two buddies who are uh, out and their boat at night trying to uh, go to the bottom of the water to fish up some coral that they're going to be selling for a couple of hundred bucks. Uh, you know, gotta gotta appreciate the hustle on, on that end. But uh, unfortunately... <laughs> Doesn't really work all that well for them because uh, they too fall victim. Oh yeah, when the guy the guy unceremoniously accidentally inflates a raft, he's like, "Great, now we gotta drag this fucking thing all the way down there." I mean, but yeah, one of those scenes in the movie where it generated a kill or a couple of kills, but the kills were not detailed. They didn't really, you know, it was the one guy sort of disappearing under the water, the one guy watching the light go out, and then he's like, "What's going on?" And then he gets yanked into the water. I mean. One of those scenes where it's like, I sort of get why they did it, but they didn't capitalize. And they honestly just could have like clipped that one end to end and just left it out. And the movie would not have changed at all. Yeah, definitely. Uh, after that uh, is when uh, Brody is informed of Overman's uh, disappearance. Uh, little did they know that he is actually dead. Uh, in this case, and that is when we see that uh, small yellow submarine uh, being sent out to search through the new tunnels uh, before they go to that. Uh, it's like some sort of like Spanish fixture, uh, despite the fact that, you know, you have the two dolphins, Cindy and Sandy, like trying to like shoo them away <laughs> to try to keep them out because uh, they, they know that the danger uh, he's imminent, essentially, in yeah. this case. You know, they're basically like the dog, like, knowing that there's an intruder. Or someone, like, unfamiliar around, in this case. Uh, so, as, you know, they're searching through, like, this Spanish galleon, that is when they discover, you know, there is a small, great white shark. And, uh, you know, the dolphins actually come to the rescue in, in this scene. So, one of a couple of times when we see them actually coming into play here. Well, yeah, and and uh, for if you're somebody who's ever watched Shark Week, you know, or anything like that, I mean, it it all the research indicates dolphins will actually do that. Dolphins will fight sharks, which to me is a, just absolutely the damnedest thing because dolphins are so docile and whatever else. Um, but going going into that scene, so problematic things. Um, the yellow submarine, if you're wearing scuba gear inside the submarine, it's not a fucking submarine. It's a it's a giant metal sled that you sink to the bottom of, and it has a couple of motors. It's not a submarine. Um, the scene with the Spanish galleon, honestly, is kind of cool. They, they see that uh, skeleton. I think they said his name was Oscar or something like that. They kind of freaked him out at first, um, which is definitely cool. I mean, anything that's sunken and you can kind of hunt, that's always, I mean... You're kind of always going to kind of get me there. I, I just I love shit like that. But I think that scene is is very much tied to Jaws 2 when you have especially the opening of Jaws 2 when you have the kind of the underwater photographers that are down um, 
documenting the wreck of the orca. I think it's very synonymous with that. That's kind of, you know, so they show it to you. They don't make a big deal out of it. There's not a lot of documentation or whatever else going on. But that also is when you first get what looked to me like a foam shark on some sort of a catapult that went boom to the side of the ship and then got pulled back out. Um, so again, effects, you know, not totally top notch, but I think with this film, the scenery that they have is so good being actually, cause this thing was actually filmed at SeaWorld. The scenery is so good that a lot of that kind of falls by the wayside. And it's like, yeah, okay. I, I forgive you. It's okay. I would really be curious to know what SeaWorld's quarterly earnings were after this movie came out. <laughs> Did they take a hit? Well, this was still back when they had Shamu. I mean, and they, they showed Shamu in the film, you know, doing the kind of the out of the water dive and whatever else. So um, I would honestly think, knowing people, I bet you their quarter earnings probably for at least a few months probably went up and up a lot. Because people being people, a chance to go somewhere and maybe I might die is a lot more appealing than, oh, look, a fish. So I, I think people would probably flock. I would have flocked to that if I had the <laughs> had the means back then. But I was like I said, I was nine. So eh. I mean, people do love running right into danger. <laughs> oh, don't they? Don't they? But uh, you also have people who are just in total disbelief, not wanting to hear uh hear about it just like the bear would in like you know the original jaws but in this case it is the park manager calvin bouchard who is not believing that there is a shark in the park i mean that's just absolutely absurd how can that happen there's just no no way that could be a thing uh but yeah although the news is exciting to uh you know some of the other crew you know we kind of have the underwater filmmakers uh and the photographer friend uh philip uh who you mentioned earlier and, mm -hmm. you know, they have the intention that, you know, they're going to go out, they're going to kill the shark, and they are going to broadcast it on network television. It will be good publicity for the park. It'll get their name out there and everything. And, you know, it'll really help with the grand opening of the park. And, you know, you also have Kay, who is arguing over the fact that, you know, killing the shark would be, uh, while it may be good for, like, a like news article or a headline, uh, but it would be more uh, uh, opportune for them to, you know, capture it and to have it at the park. And, you know, I remember initially, I'm just like, that sounds like a fucking stupid idea. Like, what could possibly, <laughs> what could go wrong, right? Like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to keep a shark captive. Well, and, but ultimately, it's not any different than keeping, say, like a dolphin captive, right? I mean, and I think she's just, she's going from the perspective of, you can either have your one night stand and it will give you the little bit of pleasure that it gives you, or you can form a relationship, which is what keeping a shark alive is supposed to do. Um, and honestly, the scene where they're in that pool and they're sort of walking the shark around trying to keep it alive, they give it like an aeration hose to get its gills going, and then all of a sudden it splashes and it's like, and everyone dives out of the pool. I mean, that's really. It's really a lively scene, and it really makes you, for as much as this movie, I mean, it, it, despite the lack of kills, but uh, about how much this movie is about foreboding and about death, it like gives you that like, it's that moment where you're actually rooting for the shark. It's like, come on, you can do it, buddy. You can, you can, you can come back. You can do it, you know. And as 
as we find out when you get a manager involved and the manager's like, hey, the shark's alive, cool, put it in this tank out there. And again, all these people watching and the shark literally is swimming and just goes, and just rolls over and goes belly up. And it's like, well, I've definitely worked for that manager once or twice in my life. So yeah, I totally get that. That's how it goes. Yep, just thinking about the potential profits that would be rolling in and, you know, just immediately rushes it into the small tank for, uh, you know, the exhibit, where, of course, it immediately dies in this case. And, yeah. you know, you have all the onlookers uh, yeah. who are just horrified in this case. Oh, uh, shit. I, I think I would be, too. I mean, it, it, but it's another one of those don't listen to someone who knows what they're talking about. Just listen to your checkbook. And, yeah, shockingly, things went horribly, horribly wrong. Yep. Uh, after that, uh, we are checking out the underwater tunnels. Uh, and that is when we have the overman's corpse float up into, like towards the window, uh, oh. which which is great. Uh, you know, you just kind of have like that the small floating head starting to slowly surface, which is fantastic. Uh, and then after that, you know, we do get to see the uh, full corpse, uh, which, you know, you had already talked a, a little about earlier on uh and that's when they realize like hey you know the shark that uh killed him must be you know it's not the shark that we had you know there's another mm -hmm. one out there in this case it is the baby shark's mother uh and that baby you know since yeah baby shark yeah exactly i mean it's it just comes with the territory uh, and of course since you know overman right was killed inside the park well now we have bigger issues on hand because uh, somewhere out there is a 35-foot great white shark within SeaWorld. Well, exactly, hiding within the park, and it's like, okay, so I think once people came to the conclusion, it's like, this, this shark is hiding in the park, and it's like, it's a 35-foot-long shark. Where could it possibly hide? Mm. And it's like, the uh, Dennis Quaid is Mike Brody. He's supposed to be the park engineer. I'm thinking that that guy would be like, oh, wait, you know, but no, <laughs> no, it's like, we'll still have, we'll still have to go out hunting and try to find this guy. It, it just doesn't make any sense. I do want to backtrack just a tiny bit to uh, like something I watched tonight. So after, after, um, I think it's his brother, Sean comes to town and then uh, we have he they're at the bar and they meet Leah Thompson. Um, whose character's name is Kelly, and they go out to the beach, and Sean still won't go in the water, right? Um, but she's doing, like, a slow striptease, you know? And she's already got... She's down to her shirt and her drawers, basically, which is a bikini bottom. But when she takes off her shirt and she's wearing that electric blue bikini top, it was both the most excited and disappointed I have been <laughs> in a long time. Um... <laughs> But the fun part there, and then when Mike shows up and Kay shows up, Mike is like, oh, she got him to go in the water. You know, and that's kind of that running gag from the first two movies. It's like he doesn't want to go in the water anymore. But I'm, I'm going to go back and say 1983 electric blue bikini before people put padding in things and did whatever else. And that's one of the things this movie does really well. Nobody is padded on anything in this movie. <laughs> Every movie... If the if the air conditioning was set below seventy degrees, it was just like I mean, it just was right there. And um, as a red blooded American male, um, 
I enjoyed that. <laughs> yep, the power of boobs. Who who would have guessed uh, in this case? <laughs> but, but yeah, I, Wait, I love when the it brother... starts when you're born and it ends when you die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that you know when the brother does show up though. You know you you have that moment where you know he's on the bullhorn. <laughs> Oh yeah! Hey you two, what are you doing? You're trespassing. Yeah. And then the hey you, hey you turkeys, you got an idea? And they're like, wait. Yeah. No. That's. <laughs> but again, that's the fun of this movie. Imagine you worked at a place like SeaWorld, like you were important, and your brother came to town, and you took him out to the bar, and he met a girl, and he was like, this close to scorn, and you could fuck with him. I mean, how how priceless is that? That's just absolutely like I I would want to be a part of that. So I think it it completely all makes sense. Come on, <laughs> it's like hey, I want in on this discussion too. But yeah, the brother brother beat well, it just absolute weird... cock block. <laughs> yeah, well then they have that weird like sand throwing people in the water and everybody is touching everybody. But I think that also might be early eighties, like where it's like who belongs to who probably doesn't really matter. Let's just enjoy our lives. Yeah, right. Everyone's just going to pass around at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, so getting back to uh, the shark bite uh, on Oberman. Uh, they're basically saying like. Uh, Kate was talking about like the, the size of the bite and how like the, the mouth is probably going to be like three feet wide. And, you know, that's when, you know, we figure out like the shark is 35 feet long in this case, uh, which, of course, captures the attention of the park owner. Uh, and, you know, all the meanwhile, you know, we are trying to convince Calvin uh, in, until the enormous shark sh shows herself at the window of the park's underwater cafe, which absolutely scares the shit out of the customers. My audio's going in and out. Hmm. Interesting. Let me check here. Hold on. That could just be Discord, to be honest, because that does tend to happen from time to time. Okay. All right. Just checking because it's like. Okay. I'm trying to li trying to listen to your knowledge and it disappears sometimes. And then I don't get the knowledge and then I'm just sad. Mm -hmm. well, but yeah, the, the big the big takeaway from that scene is obviously the shark making its appearance while everyone is out dining in the underwater cafe of SeaWorld. Uh, and, you know, of course. You know, when you're talking about scale of the 35 foot shark, you know, this is one of like the few times where it actually works because, you know, you do see it slowly start to inch closer and closer to the glass. Oh, well, sure. But this is also I think for if you think about all of the movies that you've watched. I mean, almost whether it be a horror movie or a thriller, I think something like that where you've got one group of people trying to prove something to another group of people. And it's always some kind of like really arduous fight. Like I said before, this arduous fight takes about seven seconds. And then it turns around and goes, holy fuck, there it is. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's like, I'm right. You know, I, it's like I, they could have they could have made that last 30 seconds longer and it would have been a little bit more sellable, but still fun. And again, Louis Gossett Jr. Fucking awesome. Just and I think. I'll say it now because I think it, I think it, I think it bears saying. Just about every character in this movie, from uh, what's his face Fitzroy, to that one guy, um, uh, the Australian or the uh, the UK guy who just keeps going, what the hell, governor? Just he, like he, and I don't even know why he says that, but he says that. 
almost every character in this story that they set up is sort of a bad guy. When you get to the end of the movie, they've all kind of come full circle and had a re- little bit of a redemption arc, right? I mean, Fitzroy saves Kay against the little shark, and then he actually becomes cannon fodder for the big shark. Um, uh, Bouchard, like, saves a lady in the control room when the control room gets busted into. He actually, and they say it in the movie, it's like, oh, no, Bouchard's fine, and so is whatever her name was. Like, who cares? Like, we all thought she died anyway. But even, like, even uh, Jack Tate sort of sacrifices himself, right? For the, so it's like, they make sure that even though you have this, and I'm going to call it what it is, like the management side of SeaWorld and the worker side of SeaWorld and how they sort of battle each other about what's right and what's wrong and what's best for the park and what's best for the animals. And in the end, almost everybody has found like some kind of homogeneous, like just way to like squeak through and you can't really dislike them. And that's, that's kind of an interesting thing for a movie like this. I mean, they don't leave you with somebody to hate other than the shark. Yep. Uh, so outside of that, uh, I'm trying to remember. Okay. So we had the shark appear in, uh, just outside the underwater cafe. Uh, we see, uh, you know, people taking refuge inside the, uh, filtration pipe. No, that's where the shark is. Uh, and then yep. that's when we see the uh, the water flowing basically across the gills. Uh, and mm-hmm. the shark, it just starts wrecking absolute havoc throughout the entirety of the park. Uh, we have some attacks on uh, the water skiers, primarily Kellyanne, uh, as well as Michael's brother, Sean. Uh, and in the process, mm-hmm. we see Kelly's leg getting injured before uh, we have the leak that nearly drowns everyone uh, in the underwater tunnels. Uh, which, you know, is a great scene, but, you know, you kind of mentioned, like, you know, as soon as the uh, doors start to close and they're all in, like, that middle area, you know, everything does, like, kind of stop at, like, a midway point when it comes to, like, the water level, so they're not really in danger, like, there really weren't, like, any kids uh, in that particular scene either, Mm -hmm. so it's mostly adults, so, like, no one was really in, like, a state of panic too much because uh, as soon as they were inside, the water levels were... Uh, stabilized at that point. Well, sure. So not a state of panic necessarily, but definitely a state of peril. And I think this is what this movie does differently than the other ones, is we have a large group of people that need to be saved. I mean, and this this scene with, like, having to having to patch something so the air could pressurize and do all that, it was very... Very Deep Star Six, very Leviathan, you know, where we had this like thing have to happen. We've got to fix the air supply or everyone's going to die, you know, Um, but something that the other movies didn't do. I mean, other movies, if you were on land, you could just sit there and just go to the shark. But fuck you. I'm just going to stay on the beach here and you can kiss my ass. And this was more of putting our. Our team of heroes and I'm using the term heroes loosely because. I don't really know what most of them did, <laughs> but um, but giving them like a you know like a supreme goal that they had to fulfill. It's like we're gonna save these people. Um, and granted, it's more of saving the people in terms of saving SeaWorld, right? But still, not something that the first two movies did. They they didn't do anything like that. I mean, the people that were 
in jeopardy were the people that were on the water and you could choose or not choose to be in jeopardy. In this case, it was just people that happened to be there, you know, and as the shark went mental and was bumping into all the hamster tunnels underwater and making them leak, um, that's just kind of what it came to be. Um, and so like for me, I honestly, I, I, I love the underwater stuff and I'm going to, I'll say again, deep star six, deep star six is a super underrated movie. Everyone should go watch that. Cause it's just awesome. Um, I actually think in a lot of ways it's better than Leviathan. Um, but every two or three or four years, we see another movie like that um, where you've got some underwater thing happening. I mean, the big one is probably The Abyss, right? right. Um, not really a horror movie, but still kind of a horror movie. Um, but it's fun to see people be nipple deep in water, not knowing what's going to happen next. I, it's just, it's fun. It's fun and it gives you a sense of foreboding and kind of wanting to know what's going to happen next. The one thing I think this movie does differently than a lot of movies is that they had a whole huge machine shop of people that were welding and doing all kinds of other things. And it's like, is the patch almost ready? And it's like, so it was very literal, like very literal. It's like a lot of times what's going to happen, how people are going to be saved is not super explained. This, this movie had a whole team of people working on it. Um, but again, going back to the it's Sea World, and you've got a bunch of people, and there's a corporation at stake. A lot of that makes sense. It's a cat blocks the camera. <laughs> yep. uh, so, okay, we're at the point where Fitzroy's and his assistant uh, Jack are luring the shark into the filtration pipe in an attempt to uh, dispose of it. Uh, when Fitzroy's is attacked by the shark, he is attempting to use a grenade to kill it. Uh, which, you know, there was a lot of back and forth with whether or not they should be using explosives uh, in this movie. Uh, but the shark ends up devouring him before he can pull the safety pin. But of course, you know, what I love about this is uh, this is the type of movie that, okay, that plan didn't work out. But we're going to circle back to it <laughs> later on <laughs> uh, in a little, like, literal fishing uh, to get the pin, which was absolutely fantastic. Literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the that the yellow grenade in that. Oh, and the beautiful part of that, um, for me anyway, is it was not one of those things where it was hung up on a tooth or whatever else. Mm. It was still in clutched in the dead guy's hand in the shark. So the shark had to even swallowed him all the way. And they showed him in the shark, just going, you know, just kind of. I mean, so for me, it's like. I'm pretty sure the shark would have swallowed him and just like called it a day. But that yellow hand grenade thing that they had was the air tank from the first movie. I mean, that that's what it was. I mean, it, you know, so it was that it was definitely that smile, you son of a bitch moment. Um, but with a little less, a little less charisma and definitely a lot less heart, you know, like. Um, but still, I, it, it was still fun. And when he finally got the pin out and he pulled it. This is when the movie went so over the top with the attempts at using its 3D glory. I mean, the parts and pieces flying and then the two sections of the jawbone coming out. It was just, I mean, <laughs> watching it again tonight, it's like I, I saw it again. And it was like, I remember, I remember being a kid and seeing it. And when you see it in 3D, it's slightly less bad. <laughs> um, but it was still... Honestly, it made me feel nine years old again, and mm. because it did, it was like, okay, fuck, okay, fine, great, let's just do it, you know? And I, 
I don't know. I to think of the original Jaws movie and how, and I think people have said this: Jaws did for the ocean what Psycho did for bathtubs, right? Um. So to know that from the original Jaws, we've come to this, but we've come to a movie that is honestly way more fun. It's way more fun. It's way more colorful. It's way more energetic. Um, the characters are not like Dennis Quaid's character. He's, I mean, he's borderline forgettable, but so many of the rest of the characters, um, Kay is super memorable and, and she's memorable. I think because of her love of the animals that she's caring for, I think she just is absolutely there. I mean, get into the the very end of the movie after the sharks exploded and they're you know they're like she's like tapping the water for the other dolphin and it's like did she survive did she survive and then she goes when she spirals up out of the water i mean if you don't love that there's just you're just dead inside i mean there's just something wrong with you if you don't love that um and then the double dolphin thing at the very end is just great too um but i think I think where this movie falls short is the acting, the effects, and the story. Other than that, <laughs> it's other than that, it's fantastic. So if you can just forget all of that, it's it's a fantastic thing. And it's if you want to be reminded of being a kid when you were young and going to a water park and having fun, watch this movie. Um, if if that doesn't sound fun to you, then I I just don't think you're living right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to go as far as to say that, uh, you know, me having like six or seven beers by the time we watched this had uh, any impact on my enjoyment of the movie. Like, I genuinely thought it was it was entertaining. I, I don't think it ever reached a point of like awful t- to the extent that uh, the the online community was making it out to be. But I can definitely understand why it's not held in. A high regard compared to the earlier entries of, uh, you know, of the franchise. But I will say, like, in regards to Kay, like, one of the things I really liked with her progression throughout the movie is how hands-on she was. Not only with, you know, the animals at SeaWorld, but she dives down there to help repair the underwater tunnel in that scene. uh, So that the technicians can restore the air pressure and, you know, save the people Mm -hmm. who are stuck under there. which, Which was a nice touch, because, like, normally it's like... Well, you're just, what, you're just going to sit there? You know, you're just going to be idle this whole time? No, she is right in there in the thick of things through and through throughout the entirety of the movie. So she's not, like, sitting back like uh, like the park manager would be in this case. Well, they definitely did a little bit of, uh, I would almost call it role reversal in this one, where you have the hero who's going to do all the ballsy things and the heroine who's going to do the screaming and panicking and saying, get out of the water. They switched those two roles completely. And you're right. She was never afraid. She was never hesitant to do anything. And she was definitely not running around screaming, get out of the water. It's dangerous. Do whatever else. That was Dennis Quaid doing that. I'm guessing that was probably the cocaine that had something to do with that. Um, But the part that I wanted to make sure that we didn't forget is that when she goes down in and they're trying to catch the 10-foot shark, the baby that they're trying to catch, She's in she's in a complete head to toe chainmail suit and for some reason that made me think of you. I have no idea <laughs> why. Um but for some reason I thought of you. And then when she gets on shore and Dennis Quaid is unzipping that chainmail, I was like, eh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
there it is. Yeah. Daddy's home. Yeah. So, <laughs> but still, still, I mean, and I'll admit that a young Leah Thompson, awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awesome. Um, the overall tone of this movie where the, they kept the tone light enough where it almost wasn't a horror movie, but we can still call it. It has Jaws in the title, so we can call it a horror movie. Um, but also giving every character uh, an opportunity to be an asshole, and most of them took full advantage of it, but also an opportunity to come full circle is not something you see in a lot of movies. You, This movie didn't leave you with a lot of oh, I'm just you bastard and whatever else. And honestly, knowing that mother sharks don't help rear their young, let's just forget that for a minute and pretend that mama shark was just hanging out trying to protect the baby. There's really, you walk away with this movie and it's like, there's blood, there's guts, and there's bones, and a shark exploded, but there's really nobody left to hate. And it honestly makes for a pretty good movie. Like, you could walk away feeling pretty fucking good about the whole thing. Yep, even if you don't have six beers in you. Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> or even if you don't pass out on your couch while watching this last night. Yeah. So, not also, gonna say also, who did that. <laughs> might have been... Might have been me, but yeah. may may have because uh, mm-hmm. uh, could have been me because otherwise the stream would have never ended. Yeah. Well, yeah. I <laughs> I know I know at 1.30 in the morning when I woke up and my computer was closed and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. And then my apparently my wife had a full conversation with me on the couch that I have no memory of. So, yeah, it's a part of your selective was, hearing is what it is. Uh, yeah, overall, it was overall, it was a good but exhausting day yesterday. So happy Fourth of July. Happy birthday, America. And because we live in this beautiful country, we get awesome movies like Jaws 3D. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? What I do think of, you know, Independence Day, you know, I, I, I don't automatically just go to Independence Day, the movie. I always think of Jaws. <laughs> well, I mean, this movie, ultimately, if you go back to the days of, uh, Fonzie and whatever else. I mean, and you talk about jumping the shark. I mean, this movie definitely did that, and it did it in 3D. So, I mean, come on. You you really can't lose in this movie. You can't lose. You get awesome water skiing babes. You get awesome sharks. Well, maybe not awesome sharks. Pretty awesome sharks. You get underwater peril. You get Dennis Quaid high on cocaine running for his life going, get out of the water, get out of the water, get out of the water. And and you have Louis Gossett Jr., who is just overall in screen history an underrated gem of an actor. So I mean, you know, and and you have bright yellow canister grenades. I mean, come on, who doesn't want some of those? I'd like a couple. I'd save them for a special occasion. So yeah, overall fantastic. I'm I, go watch it because it's it, it it's just fun. It's just fun. And if you watch this movie and you show it to your kids. You can skip a whole week. I'm going to the fucking water park where it will be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you don't have to listen to your kids question why there are tentacles coming out of the fucking caverns. <laughs> like in this movie, <laughs> you know, it's just like well, as soon as I saw that, I'm just like, I've seen this. I know where this is going. <laughs> uh, good times. But but yeah, Um but when, when it comes to, like, the final effects in the movie, you know, when uh, Brucette is 
charge in the control room and break in the glass. You know, for whatever reason, and I don't know what the reason was for it, but, like, when you're watching the effect, as soon as the impact is made on the glass, the motion of the shark completely stops. There's no follow-through. <laughs> and, like, to me, that is one of the most off-putting things about the actual effects in the movie. It's not that they're fucking terrible. It's just the fact that it's... The motion completely stops outright. I'm like, that's that's not how that would work. <laughs> well, yeah, you had you had two guys in a room doing the effects and then watching the film afterwards, and they looked at each other and went, "Yeah, okay, good enough." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but that's that's honestly this whole movie though. This whole movie is a function with the with the effects specifically of well, yeah, okay, it's good enough, and all things being equal. This movie made $90 million off a budget of, what was it, like 19 or something like that? I mean, so it, it made money. It was another entry into the lore. Um, in a lot of ways, I like it better um, than the fourth one, Jaws Revenge. Um, you know, and Jaws Revenge was fun, um, but they also make a, make a huge point of pointing out that they're down in the Caribbean and that's not where sharks usually go because mm -hmm. the water's too warm and they don't like that. Um, at the same time, you know, uh, watching Michael Caine get eaten out of a float plane, yeah, I'm there. So, uh, you know what? If, if you like shark movies, watch this because you'll like it. And it's fun and you'll see Leah Thompson being young and supple like we all remember her. Um, and this is even this is even back to the before the Back to the Future, and she's in the push-up corset thing. She's she's hotter in this movie, if you can believe it. She's hotter. So mm -hmm. just enjoy that. Um, but then if you like, like, I, I was watching this tonight. My wife came in, and she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, well, I'm watching Jaws 3. And she's just like, uh, I'm like, just wait. There's dolphins. And my wife loved the dolphins, you know, and especially the very end. And she was like, when the one dolphin came up, went, she was like, oh, yeah, dolphins. And, but which I think is a very human thing to do because dolphins are just awesome. So uh, this movie definitely differentiates itself from the other two in the both. We have masses of people that are in peril and there's a problem to solve. The other two movies don't do that. There's no there's no problem to solve. It's we we are deciding to go hunting for this shark. And then also you have uh, a part of the big focus of the movie is on other marine life. Um, now, granted, some of it was clearly shot from an aquarium. There's scenes in this movie where it's like totally somebody's aquarium. They just went, mm, they just zoomed in. It was like, we're not going to see your lava lamp in the background. It'll be fine. Um, but I just think it's more, maybe it's more realistic and it's more uh, digestible to life than it is some of the other movies where it's like, I don't live on a beach and I don't have a boat docked, you know, over at the marina. So I like it's it's scary, but it's a little less approachable. This movie, I think, is for anyone who's ever been to a water park or to like a SeaWorld thing is it's totally approachable. And it actually makes more sense in a lot of ways than the other ones do. Yeah. And on, on that note, too, I mean, I think all of us have vacation hell stories that we share with with others uh, in, yeah. in the case of, you know, everyone that was there at the park when this was going on, you know, it's going to be something that could be telling everyone about for, you know, the next 20 plus years. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> so that's what makes it awesome, though, because it and that's the approachable and that's the more real world part of it. Like we have all had a vacation where it's like 
everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, I had I had a road trip with my wife, my youngest kid, and my youngest kid's best friend where it started out great. And then between it being 100 fucking degrees, between there being bugs the size of eagles, and um, I, being down in Memphis, Tennessee, and being approached and borderline robbed by every crackhead in the city, sometimes things don't go the way that you want them to. And but to this day, it's still fucking memorable. So I'll take it. Absolutely. So again, we're celebrating Shark Week all month long here on the podcast. And, you know, I know initially I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to like focus on like newer releases that I haven't gotten around to. And there there was a handful that I could choose. But at the end of the day, I kept circling back to one in particular. Not because I think it's going to be a great movie, <laughs> but because I think it's going to be entertaining, primarily through uh, watching it with other people. So if I'm if I'm going to pick something, I'm going to have to uh, stick with my guns because, like, I know last year when Sharkula came out, uh, it was not a great no. movie. But it was fantastic. Oh, yeah, okay. We're not doing Sharkula. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> but there's there 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 was a newer release that uh, had awful reviews that I is just shark, never. Is shark of the Moon. I have seen that one. Uh, okay. Okay. That that, that one that one was okay. Mm -hmm. Definitely very different by by shark movie standards. Uh, but one of the theatrical releases that I missed was uh, Black Demon. Oh, yes, I missed it, too. So I'm down with that. Yeah. So that is what we'll be doing next week. Nice. Um, but again, the reviews for that one have been really bad. So, like, I'm not have my expectations are fairly low for it. But like when it comes to shark movies, you know, I. It's like Pokemon, you know, I, I have to watch them all in this case, you know, like. I, I don't like when shark movies fall through the cracks. You know, there are so many of them out there, and I need to see at least all of them one time. On uh, that being said, on the note of Sharkula, I do know that director has another shark movie that came out, which I showed the trailer for that after we watched Jaws <laughs> last night, so you missed that. And everyone's like, is this a musical? No, but... Uh, what they showed in the trailer was basically from, uh, like, I don't know if it's a music video, uh, but it was basically, like, what the, what the doll plush, or the, the shark plush was based off of was from, like, this particular thing that was a big hit, and we might do that. I don't know if I'll end up picking Doll Shark for my other movie, but I... I'm just hopeful that, uh, if we watch that one, it will be as entertaining for like a watch party experience as was Sharkula, but I don't know yet. Time is going to tell on that front because there was a handful that I had on my short list uh, that I had missed and uh, that was among them, but I don't think it's going to be like the best fit overall. <laughs> well, and I am still working on, I'm still working on getting us, getting us a viewing of um, bathtub shark attack. Okay. Uh, so uh, a friend of the nightclub, the other podcast that I do, um, Kali Sonnefeld, uh, was an actress in that. Um, so she's working on getting us a copy of that to watch. So uh, 
you know what? It's going to be a low budget shark movie. So mm-hmm. I, to be perfectly honest, I'm there. I just want to see it. Right. Um, I know that when I have an opinion, especially on things like Sharkula, um, and like that movie was fucking awful. It was <laughs> fucking awful. Um, which I can forgive. I can forgive that. But then when you take things like Dracula and you have him going for a walk through a sunny meadow on a, like in the middle of the day, like okay, nope, no, you can't. You can't take the lore and crumple it up <laughs> like a beer can and throw it in the garbage and just be like, nope. So the rest of it, like, like Dracula sharks, totally a cool concept, but not in the middle of the day. And no, 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 no. Uh, shark side of the moon, like you said, definitely a different, a, a different take on things. And I got forced to watch that, um, honestly, literally by the roll of a dice for mm-hmm. another podcast, and. That movie is funny because it starts out so good. It starts out with such great cinematography. You have all the space race things going on like that. And then it just goes so far off the rails. It's just ridiculous, mm-hmm. but it's actually not it's not terrible. So it, it's it's a fun watch. Um Black Demon, honestly, I missed it in theater. It was on my list and I missed it, so I'm excited to watch that. Um it might be the same movie that we watched tonight if you replace SeaWorld with an oil rig. Um but it's also been 40 years later, so I'm guessing the CGI and the effects will be better. We can but only we'll hope. <laughs> I mean, I would hope it would be better. I, I know in the last 40 years, I've gotten better. So I'm thinking that this movie probably probably has some things going for it. But we'll see. We'll totally see. Yeah. Uh, the the only guarantee that I will make for the rest of the month is we are not watching The Requin because I am still having trauma flashbacks from our first watch of that movie. Oh, shit. That was <laughs> going to be my second pick. <laughs> well, OK. Back to I guess the whole Alicia Silverstone thing is just not working for her anymore, huh? OK, well, fine. I will have to find something different because that was going to be my next pick. So I will shut that down. And I, will, I will find something else. Maybe I'll just go with Jaws Revenge just to make this pain a little deeper. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, with that note, that will do it for us here tonight on Panda with Scare. Again, be sure to join us both on Monday and Tuesday for our watch parties. Um, I don't know if I posted like our schedule for the Mondays for what else we're watching uh, for the Christmas in July. I I've been trying to find the mean one, which was, uh, you oh, know, uh, the Grinch slasher with yeah. David Howard Thornton, which, you know, go figure today. They announced like, Oh yeah, it's getting a VOD release, but it's not until like October. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that doesn't do me any good. And the only copy I was, I was able to find online for it was of course a camcorder uh, recording no. of it. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, I, because I, I, I was I was hoping to see that, but you know the problem was when that movie came out and it had its theatrical release, it was not playing anywhere near me. Uh, which which well, was yeah. a shame, and then I didn't hear anything about any distribution uh, in regards to streaming until earlier today. So you know maybe when we circle back to you know holiday stuff for December, maybe that will be one that we could potentially do since it will be more readily available to everyone at that time. But you know that's way down the line from now uh but you know next week be sure to be back as we continue our shark week celebration and uh until then guys you have a good night and we'll see you around